Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, joined by Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert after Purdue's. What was the score? 17 to 9 victory over Northwestern. It was not one of those games that you're going to etch this one in memory if you're a Purdue fan, but it was a win nonetheless. And we kind of held off a little bit because we wanted to see what happened in the Iowa Minnesota game. Of course, Iowa wins that game in relatively dramatic fashion. Uh, pretty wild day in the Big Ten. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel at the Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro. All that they do for us, and uh, they have a busy hotel tonight after probably people warming up after that uh, frigid event today in Ross 8 Stadium. And, Tom, I'll start with you. I guess first we'll hit about what happened in the Purdue game today, and then we'll talk about the ramifications of what uh, what may be next now that Iowa's in pretty, pretty good shape, it appears. But uh, Purdue, not great, but they did get the job done. A couple crucial injuries, obviously, it, it appears. Uh, that uh, Gus Hardwick and Devin Mockaby may be out for a while. We don't know, but at least I don't know about that. But talk about that and what was said in post game and kind of your impressions of what we saw. Yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't pretty, right? Winning ugly, to use a dated reference for the 1983 Chicago White Sox. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Lisa and Ron Kittle, but yeah, they found a way right against a a compromised Northwestern team starting a. Uh, sophomore walk-on quarterback that was really limited in the passing game and time and again the defense you know turned back that that northwestern offense and gave the the, the purdue offense a chance to do something with the ball and purdue couldn't get much traction and you know in the post game jeff brom talked a lot about the weather uh once again the conditions were not ideal for throwing the football aiden o'connell's numbers reflect that you know 16 to 25 under 200 yards passing for the second time in three games. And uh, just no no real big plays either, right, guys? I thought he was off the mark. I'd like to get your, your your opinions too, but he seemed to be off the mark on a number of passes as well. So he just really hasn't been in sync. I know the weather's been bad, again, uh, for the last three games. It hasn't helped his cause, but still, um, <clears throat> he really just has not been his usual self that we were used to, uh, especially last season. So – uh, no, no, but but still, they found a way to run the football, right? We know in these weather conditions, you got to be able to run the football. And Jeff Rahm showed that willingness last week at Illinois, and he did it once again Saturday. You know, Mockaby left after the first series, but Dylan Downing and Kobe Lewis really stepped up and gave this offense some some teeth uh, with, with running the football. So that was positive. And guys, at, at the very end, too, the defense made a play. To, to sort of seal the win, that Jack Sullivan sack I thought was big. And it was always good to see your defense step up and make a big play late for you to help you seal a victory. Yeah, Brian, I mean, this game would have been different, much different had, uh, in my view, of Jalen Graham's uh, uh, pick six. I understand that the, the rules, and I still am not a big fan of that call, not to – but I understand that the, the call was what it was. But uh, your take on this, because it, it wasn't a pretty performance by Purdue, and, uh, and Aiden O'Connell was just average uh, at best. Um, yes, they did run the ball when they had to, but, boy, they missed Devin Maccabees. I mean, the, the guy ran at about a 3.0 yard per clip. Got the job done. I, I agree with you, Tom. But, uh, anyway, what, uh, what, what what's your take on all this, Brian? Yeah, I'll start with the Jalen Graham penalty. Um, it's, it, it's a dumb rule, uh, but it's one that – that it can erase the play. I'm not saying that he it's should. It's just silly. I'm yeah. not saying that excessive celebration or taunting, whatever it might be, should be a penalty, but it shouldn't erase the play. It should be tacked on. I know that changed not all that long ago. I found that out today. I didn't know that right away. Um, but I, I, I can't understand that. 
nor do I, I have any reason to believe that this had to be a front burner issue because this happens so often. How often, you know, do players, are, are they in position to celebrate, you know, 30 yards before they've, before they've scored? I can think of two times in 20 years covering Purdue, one of which was, was, uh, Obviously, Taylor Stubblefield in 2004, this was one of the stupidest in terms of the the actual what happened uh, celebration penalties ever against Purdue. Uh, one of them being the one where Ralph Bolden celebrated with Purdue Pete for two seconds and got flagged. But that didn't take a touchdown off the board, you know. But part of this, too, is like everybody after the game said the field was slick, right? And you got Jalen Graham high stepping thirty yards on a slick field <laughs> with holding the football like this, you know, like there's some judgment issues there too. Uh, not just the celebration, but also the score the touchdown then then celebrate kind of thing. I mean, it, it's we don't have to litigate a young person making a mistake here necessarily, but clearly it was a mistake. Um, but that mistake fit into this broader. Uh, theme with Purdue of just finding ways to keep these games more stressful <laughs> than they need to be. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, um, you know, Purdue just, you know, we, we've been talking about a big 10 West championship now for like two months before they have actually played like a team, you know, worthy of being called the champion. I mean, they, they keep, there were no turnovers today yet still, you know, Purdue makes misses just enough throws, makes just enough mistakes, squanders just enough scoring opportunities for them to, you know, have to sweat out a win over a terrible team playing a third string walk on quarterback that shouldn't be able to score. Uh, I know Devin Mockaby was out. I know I know I know Gus Hartwig was out, but uh, for most of the game, but and that stuff matters. And I'm not saying football's easy. Uh, you know, I'm not saying style points matter. I'm just saying that. Purdue just makes things so hard on Purdue sometimes mm -hmm. that um, I think this was more of the same today. I mean, they were just asking for trouble. They were just asking yeah. for something crazy to happen. Uh, something crazy did happen, but they're just asking for something else crazy to happen there in that fourth quarter where you conceivably could have lost a game with everything in the world to play for today to a team that had lost nine games in a row coming in and has no pulse um, because you just – you just can't string together enough mistake-free football uh, to where things go as smoothly as you'd like them to go. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just kind of went off on a tangent there. Uh, I'm currently <laughs> being roasted on Twitter for saying that it might not be the worst thing in the world for Purdue to share the Big Ten title and let Ohio State be Iowa's problem. I mean, I, I don't see what you get out of going to – Nothing about what Purdue has done this season has said they can go and they they can go beat Ohio State and they can play you know play in the Rose Bowl. So sorry for pointing that out, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think and and one thing, one point of clarification: if the internet is correct, we did look it up. That rule changed in two thousand ten, uh, which it, uh, it still is, but it, it's been uh, the fact that it is a a dead ball penalty or whatever they call it. But uh, uh, right. Taylor Stubblefield was penalized in the Notre Dame game. Right. Yeah. But it was, it didn't negate the play. It was right. And then, and that's when the rule changed in 2010. Yeah. And, uh, but it, if the, if my, the source is correct, but yes, it just, it seems right. And I, and I do, I, I'm kind of with you on the Purdue thing. I mean, and again, you know, as crazy as this big 10 has been and, and today was 
I know there's no chance Nebraska is going to beat Iowa, but I'll say it. You know, who knows? Nebraska almost beat Wisconsin today. So I suppose stranger things have it. But Purdue, Tom, had best to have its head screwed on. IU gets outgained by 260 yards today and wins. Throws only seven passes in the game and wins. So Purdue has to have its head screwed on uh, next uh, Saturday when they take on Indiana. Yeah, I think IU had lost seven games in a row, Alan. Yeah. They started 3-0, and lost seven in a row. And they go to East Lansing to win, right? They have the big the big rally. And um, and they're going to be full of some confidence now, right? And we all know they'll be motivated to beat Purdue, their rival, and uh, keep Purdue from at least having a share of the Big Ten West Championship maybe taking away a berth to the Big Ten championship game for Purdue. So, again, motivation will not be an issue for the Hoosiers. And, and, and like you talked about, Al, now they're going to have some some confidence, too, getting that big road win up in up in East Lansing. So, yeah, the, I guess the plot, the soap opera continues, this Big Ten West chase. And I would count out Nebraska. You know, Casey Thompson played today. They came darn close to beating Wisconsin. So if, as long as he's a quarterback, I think Wisconsin, Nebraska is going to have at least a puncher's chance, maybe. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to get too deep into Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, but you got to tip your hat to the Hawkeyes, right? Uh, they they find a way, and I give them a lot of, a lot of credit for being resourceful. The defensive turnovers they generate. The the, the Jack Campbell pick was a touchdown. Should have yeah. been a touchdown. But still, the fumble late by Ibrahim and then the interception and and then kicking the field goal late. I mean, Minnesota missed a 34-yard field goal. So, and Iowa always seems to win these 13-10 games. It's kind of uncanny, isn't it? I don't think it's an accident. So, I think they're the best team in the Big Ten West, if you're really honest with yourself, aren't, aren't they? At least, at least against head to head against Purdue, it's hard to argue, right? <laughs> Come on. I, mean, I know their, yeah. their defense has been showing – I mean, their offense has been showing a little bit more of a pulse here. So, I don't want to turn this into a, a beauty pageant right now, but, um, you know, back to Nebraska, I do think they have a shot. But for Purdue, Allen, you're right, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a tough game in Bloomington for, for the Boilermakers to win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd looks like, won't it, on Thanksgiving weekend down there in Bloomington. Uh, so, again, um, it's a game that that's still going to have a whole heck of a lot on the line for, for, for the Boilermakers. Lots of tickets left, as I understand. They're not even all that expensive on StubHub. As I looked after uh, after the game, we got a couple kids coming into town that might want to go, and you know we're thinking about that. But uh, yeah, Minnesota runs for three hundred yards and loses that game. If you can believe yeah. that, and and uh, uh, from that standpoint, all right, Brian, let's talk a little. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, um, we've talked about what a great career the guy has had, but it's not been you know he just not been perfect by any stretch uh, and that offense maybe it, it, you know you've watched a lot of football in your life both of you have has it been a case of people are figuring I mean that Purdue has a hard time getting separation with receivers is that, is that as much a function of what we're seeing here um you know I, I don't know what 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 is slowing Purdue's de- Purdue's offense down when in a game that like you said didn't they didn't turn the ball over uh, and yet they couldn't. And I know it was. I know it was cold. I know all that. And it was windy and whatever. But uh, what do you, what do you what say you on that? Well, I think that a couple of things go into this. One, um, it is November in the Big Ten. That's part of it. <laughs> um, I think Purdue doesn't have enough playmakers at wide receiver relative to where it wants to be. You know, Charlie Jones has had a great year. 
Um, but I don't know if they, they have a consistent anyone else who, you know, is a reliable uh, playmaker here. Um, and three, I think people are just more inclined defensively nowadays. Just make damn sure you keep the ball in front of you. And that's something Jeff Brahms had to adjust to a little bit uh, because it, he's a very vertical passing minded uh, coach. They've hit some deep balls over the top this year, but they haven't done it in a while. No, right? Um, I guess they made the one play at Illinois, I guess you'd call behind the defense, but um, it's been tough sled and throwing the ball over people's heads. And that's, that's kind of, I've always said that I think Purdue football practices uh, practices, the deep ball, probably more than any school in the country. Um, I have, I've only attended Purdue practices, so it's hard for me to say <laughs> that, but I can't imagine other people working on it as much as Purdue does. Um, so I, I, I think that's part of it, but also I, I think that he's just been a little bit off this year. I think he's just not been as accurate, uh, as he's needed to be all the time. Uh, I think acclimating to a new set of receivers around him maybe has a little bit something to do with that. Maybe the receivers not being David Bell, Milton Wright, and you know whoever else has a lot to do with that. Jackson Anthem. Uh, I think that that's probably a bigger part of this than anybody would like to admit. Um, but I also, I also think he's just missed some throws, just like any quarterback's gonna. Uh, I thought there were three throws today that you know might have made this game a lot smoother from a Purdue perspective than it might have been. Now, one of them, it was a, a touchdown ball to T.J. Sheffield. I'm not. I don't want to put it on O'Connell because I, I I can't say for absolute certain the receiver did what the receiver was needed to do on that play, uh, if I'm remembering things correctly. But I just think, you know, this is kind of a season where last year, I think there was personnel around Aiden O'Connell that sometimes made Aiden O'Connell look like a little bit better than he really was. This was a year where Aiden O'Connell kind of had to make the people around him look a little bit better than what they actually are. And I just don't know if that's happened on a consistent basis. That's not necessarily Aiden O'Connell's fault. Um, yeah, he certainly did his part by getting Charlie Jones here. Um, but <laughs> I just oh, yeah. think there's so much responsibility on him too, uh, in terms of, I shouldn't say that because they've been able to run the ball effectively for a good portion of the season. But I just think everything I just meandered about uh, for the last, eight minutes, whatever, however long this answer's gone is just part of the reason. <laughs> I th I think a lot goes into it. Yeah. Devin Mockaby, Tom, again, we don't know anything more about uh, uh, his concussion or whatever the situation is there. But it, those things, if it is, in fact, that it, those things don't always come back in a week. Uh, we just don't know. I do think that, that you missed him uh, a good deal. But, uh, again, in a, in a rivalry game – uh, that and and I I thought that uh, the move to to Kaltenberger at center he did did okay but Purdue only ran the ball what averaged 1.8 yards per carry in the second half so they really struggled whether that was on him again I have no no clue but uh, it wasn't on totally on him obviously but is this uh you know you're gonna have to find a way to, to in, in the bucket game and yet is this also a case Tom where when things look bleak with Purdue's offense, uh, all of a sudden they do something, and maybe that'll be the case against Indiana next week. And Indiana's obviously not very good defensively. Yeah, I think I think your last comment may be most most spot on, Alan. You know, Indiana's defense is not exactly a steel curtain, so um, you think that would help a Purdue offense that if they are going to struggle with without Gus Hartwig and Devin Mockaby. Um, maybe those struggles won't be amplified going against Indiana's defense. We shall see. Um, you know, the second half, 
you talked about the numbers there, Alan. Purdue only had 34 yards in the third quarter. Yeah. They had 100 yards total in the second half. Of course, just three points. So they really struggled after intermission. And they really struggled for the entire game, honestly, on offense. Um, and I think Brian outlined some of the issues with, with playmakers and the inability to consistently get separation. And, you know, it seems like every other game, Payne Durham is a big factor, isn't it? Uh, seems like – I know Payne Durham caught a touchdown pass today, but he caught two passes total and it just seemed like he was, by and large, a non-factor. Maybe you credit Northwestern for that, I guess, and what they were doing defensively. But seems like uh, if he's involved, good things usually happen for Purdue, and we saw those struggles today. So, yeah, in the Mockaby situation, yeah, we'll see what how that plays out. I think they can get by with, with who they've got back there now, Dylan Downing and Kobe Lewis are – are sort of lunch pail kind of guys, muckers, if you will. You know, they can run Tyrone Tracy on those jet sweeps or on a quick pitch reverse. We saw that today as well. So I think they can manufacture enough uh, against a defense like I use uh, to keep that offense churning. So um, it, it's going to be an interesting chess match, guys, and it'll be fascinating to see what the early betting line is when those odds come out on Sunday. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm gonna get get I'm gonna guess eight or nine points Purdue maybe. Purdue, but, uh, Purdue Purdue's given eight. You think? Purdue, yeah, I think Purdue will be an, an over a touchdown favorite. But I I don't know. I'm I, I whenever I do, I'm always about a touchdown short on those. All right, one of the one of the most asked questions in Lafayette that has nothing to do with you know this has just been talk. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Purdue and, and, and Louisville and, and what would happen. Again, all conjecture. There's nothing to point that anything's going to happen. Louisville won its seventh game this year uh, by beating North Carolina State. Now is seven and four. There's no indication that they're going to make a change this year. No indication that Jeff Brom is is going to go anywhere. But uh, uh, I, and I don't really know what else to ask except Brian. I'll, I'll throw it at you, Brian. Any, I mean. <laughs> What do you, what, what, what Wait, else? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I mean, but, but it's obviously, it's the question I get, I get asked everywhere I go. Like, is he leaving? Is he leaving? We don't, you know, there's nothing that tells us that that's happening at all, but uh, things happen at the end of the season. College football is in a crazy place where you never know what's going to happen, but I don't sense that this is having any impact on this football team at all. But I mean, you don't, don't hear anybody else talking about it in any way, shape or form. I don't know what I'm asking, Brian, but uh, give give us your, your wisdom on that on that thought process. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I think it was it was a you know a hot seat year for Scott Satterfield, and I think yeah. if they were going to move on Scott Satterfield, they were coming back after Jeff Brom, and I think it was hard for Jeff Brom to turn it down in the first place. Sure, and it'd be a lot easier to say yes this time, and I think ultimately his. It's reasonable to presume that ultimately one of the things he's wanted out of his career was for both himself and his family was to be back at Louisville. Um, but Scott Satterfield's, you know, saved his ass <laughs> here the last yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, pardon my language. That's uh, no, okay. I don't want to. You may have to Satterfield. change the thing on YouTube now if you. you I don't want word. to offend your delicate <laughs> sensibilities, but I mean, the Wake Forest win, uh, the NC State win, I mean, he's, they've reversed course. Now, I like to refer to Louisville basketball as college basketball's top-rated reality show <laughs> because there's just always something going on there. There's always yeah. some sort of weird undercurrent, weird controversy, whatever it might be. Never underestimate the power of the booster who just doesn't like the coach. Yeah, you know, uh, and 
But at this point, it'd be really hard from an optics perspective, from any perspective, to to fire Scott Satterfield. Now, the question also is, I know he pissed off a lot of people in Louisville by looking at the South Carolina job, or the, was it South Carolina? Yeah, South Carolina. I think so. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he talked to him or whatever. He might have gotten sideways a little bit with some of those uh, in particularly influential horse and booze folks, as we like to call them. <laughs> uh, um, so maybe Scott Satterfield goes and looks for another job. Who knows? I mean, it's it's one of the most important things a coach can do from uh, a, a, uh, a career perspective is knowing when to get out. And yeah. if he wins eight, nine games at Louisville this year, I don't know what's going to be open. I have no idea what's going to be open, actually. Maybe he uh, sees the writing on the wall at Louisville and says, I got to get out while the getting's good here. You never yeah. know. Um, but as of right now, I have a really hard time seeing Louisville make a move on Scott Satterfield. That being said, Louisville is one of those places where the decisions aren't always made by the people who are necessarily qualified to make the decisions. So, yeah. Who knows? I know you're going to send me a Christmas card for throwing that. Yeah, question thank you. At you right now. <laughs> no, all right. I, I, I will add one. Th I will add one thing, so I can at least. I agree with you. I think that it seems. Uh, I, again, I use the Paul Christ example of anything can happen if if they can get rid of Paul Christ. But uh, but, and I know that they're mutually exclusive situation, and there are twenty thousand empty seats a game at Louisville. But I agree with you, Brian. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, from that standpoint, but what but, makes uh, sense in college football anyway? That is, that's that's it. That's mm -hmm. my point, and uh, I, I think it. Uh, and I think we're just remiss if we we've been. At, I mean, I can't tell you how many people are asking me this everywhere I go. Um, and so I thought, well, now's a good time to at least bring it up. Tom, do you have anything else you'd like to add yeah. to the fray? There, are you the only <laughs> one that gets asked that question? No, <laughs> no, I think you guys all get asked that more than it. I'm just I'm yeah. just verbalizing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I uh. I think you guys are spot on. I, I talked to a, uh, I guess a prominent media member down there a couple of weeks or so ago. He's about as dialing as anybody, and he didn't think there was anything that's already a done deal, <laughs> or whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, and but, but you know, I think Brian summed it up. Just just when 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 none of this makes sense, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. I, I guess I like the idea, of maybe Satterfield and looking around to get out while the getting's good, but. I just wonder who who wants him. Yeah, is he really yeah. a hot. Even if he's seven, who is he that hot of a commodity to have a job upgrade? It's not like he's going ten and two or something. Well, I think it's different. Um, you go South Florida. Yeah. South Florida. Well, who are we talking yeah. about here? Sat 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 Satterfield. Oh, Satterfield. Okay. Well, I don't. Who knows what jobs are going to be open? Yeah, that's that's like, but who, who's, who's going to want him? Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah. I also think they have a big, they have a big game for their fan base this week when they play the old University of Kentucky. Yeah, and that's a game that they, and they who's been struggling, and uh, that also could could fuel a fire. We'll focus on Purdue and Indiana in the bucket game and and stick to that. But uh, um, uh, I do think it's a, obviously people are talking about it, but whether that means anything, I, uh, we don't know. All right, so real quick, all right, yeah, real quick too, I talked yeah. to Jerry, I talked to Jerry Palm in the press box before yes. the game. Jerry's talking throughout the entire game, but we talked <laughs> literally the whole game. <laughs> And everybody yes, give us some give us some bull yeah, clarification, please. We thought, we thought whoever, first of all, Big Ten's probably gonna get three teams, you know, I guess in the bigger bowls, the playoff. You're a, you're yeah, a D6. I mean, maybe two playoff teams. 
Michigan, Ohio State, then the keys to get Penn State into a New Year's Six Bowl. Most people think that's probably going to happen. They're going to be 10 and 2 here, guys. Yeah. I think yeah. they play Michigan State in the finale. Yeah. So uh, they'll probably go to the Cotton Bowl, play like UCF, but UCF got beat today. But anyway, that if that, if that happens, and of course, everybody in the Big Ten gets pushed up, right? And your Florida Bowls are probably down to Illinois, Iowa, and Purdue for those two spots. And he thought whoever got the Big Ten title game was probably going to get a Florida Bowl bid, right? Sure. Well, probably pencil in Iowa for one of those spots. That probably leaves you with Purdue versus Illinois um, for the second Florida spot, you would think, right? Yeah. So that was sort of what he was thinking as well. And and if not Florida, again, we've talked about this before. We talked about Carolina and New York City being the next two likely landing spots. Nashville's a no-go for obvious reasons. This is not the year the Big Ten sends a team to Las Vegas, so forget about that. So the third option would be Phoenix. So that's sort of why probably what you're looking at, at least a couple of weeks out from this, these bowl selections. Good chance for Florida. If not Florida, Carolina, New York, not those two spots, and probably Phoenix. Yeah, I think uh, – I, I have to think that, you know, they always talk about – and like you've said many times before, Tom, it doesn't matter. That record does not matter. And, right. and obviously Iowa has been to Florida several times, but they obviously also, if they get to the Big Ten championship game – they are as we as our as our. They're still going to uh, travel, Alan. Yeah, and the internet. Our, our, our knuckleheads don't like us to say that they travel. Purdue would travel well to, to Florida, also, just because it hasn't been there since since two thousand. You know, Illinois too's bowl starved, right? But I'll, I'll say this: you know, that was not an impressive crowd in Champaign. Yeah, I think Purdue's more track than Illinois. I, I, I to a bowl. Yeah, I, I, I really do. Too. I believe that. But um, Illinois, Illinois, is still kind of a sexy story. The up and comer. You know, with the star running back and and hasn't had a lot of success, so there's a lot to sell for Illinois too. Even though they haven't had great home crowds, yeah. They, and they came and they sport. came within an eyelash of beating Michigan today. So, yeah. Brian, any thoughts? I don't think on Illinois that? is any good. Yeah. I think I that, that, that that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I think yeah. that both the uh, both the old Wolverines and the Buckeyes were looking forward to their little foray next weekend. <laughs> yes, they were today, uh, and thus made things a little bit more dicier than on themselves oh, than they yeah. needed to. Uh, yeah. But no, I don't think Illinois is any good. I know that doesn't matter. Uh, I know it's, <laughs> it's all about ticket sales. That's fine. But uh, how does Illinois sell tickets? Do they, yeah. do they sell tickets? No, they, they don't. I mean, they, they uh, don't, don't but know. they haven't no been to a bowl game in a long time. So um, Yeah, so yeah, it is. so it's probably going to come down to Illinois and Purdue to see who goes to I think at, your analysis is at correct. At the same though. stage of Purdue's development as a program, remember, they were getting passed over every year. Yeah. Yeah. For by people like the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's, you wonder if Illinois is in that same position now where maybe Purdue gets a bump over them because I'm I'm seeing you shake your head. Illinois is the flagship university of a massive state with a lot of people. And I think that's got appeal, I would think. But don't also look at Wisconsin – Crazy as it sounds, they beat Minnesota next week, and and not again. Wins don't matter, but that would at least put them at seven and five. So, who knows? Yeah, who that's, knows a good, that's a good. That's a good point, Alan. I mean, I mean, why do they even too. have rules anymore? Why don't the Bulls take whoever they want? Like if if <laughs> somebody wants Northwestern, just take them. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like no, nothing matters that, anymore. That, but money, just say, so just take them. 
Yeah. I said, let, just let, let everybody schedule a 13th game. It's so stupid. Because as we learned a long time ago, the bowl is going to get who the bowl wants one way or another. They're going to, if they can't have them, they're going to change the rule and they're going to get them. That's why, you know, Purdue back in the late 90s could get passed over by two spots so that Iowa could come to the Outback Bowl or whatever it was. Yeah, it was they're yeah, going to get what Wisconsin. they want anyway. And all anyone wants is money. So just, just <laughs> do away with all the rules. Just, well, the thing about it is, we, we, make, we make a big deal. We, we hem and we haul and we gnash our teeth about these bowl games, act like they're a big deal. And then we're going to get there, guys. And then all the good players aren't going to play them. <laughs> yeah, that's what worries you too. I don't. I don't even want to get. I, I, we're 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 going to avoid that. Who will play for Purdue? We'll talk about I, that. I, next I don't week, know if but. Purdue's got any. I don't know if Purdue's got any guys like that. I think the only guy who maybe that guy. I can see guy like Jalen Graham now playing. Maybe. But I, I always thought that's more of like a fir, uh, first rounder, second rounder, yeah, maybe third yeah, rounder yeah. type of thing. When you start to get into that four, five, six, seven range, you're getting awful presumptuous here, guys. Yeah, no needs 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 good support. Why, 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 why would you play me for Aiden O'Connell? Why, why, why would you play me for Aiden O'Connell? Why even play? Well, well, Aiden O'Connell came it, back I, to play another year of college football, so I assume he. I mean, he didn't have to come back this year. So I understand I that, but he, he he's played twelve games. I think that's yeah. Enough. But I do think for Aiden, especially the way his season has ended in the second One half, game he could use, nothing. Yeah, but he, so could use, but he could use a good boost going into training. Yeah, I, guess, I, I think I guess overrated. Yeah. That is so overrated. But guys, the NFL is not going to sit there. Go, oh my God, he had a bad Outback Bowl. We're not we're not picking him. He is. Yeah, hey, Al, he might Al, help Al, himself. The haze he might not himself. the haze in the barn, man. He he's played like 30 college games and he's like 25 years old. So I think yeah. the NFL knows about him, what they're going to need to know about him. That's I mean, probably I, true. I, I, I don't think, think the bowl game think... is going to hurt him or help him one way or another. It's not. Uh, I, I, you know, Charlie I, I Jones is, is a guy who's he's not going to play. At some mm-hmm. point, he's going to get drafted. Um, now, whether he's a he's not a first or second rounder, probably, but I think he's he's got special teams on his side. I think he's a guy who's going to get an opportunity. He's, he's going to so get drafted, up, I though. think. Um, He's so banged up, he, he, he wouldn't play. I wouldn't but think. that's what you deal with. It, it's the it's the David Bell factor last year. David Bell dealt with so many injuries that it, I think it really made sense for David Bell to sit that game out. Um, yeah. As as much as people wanted to see that David Bell played one more game, that guy had so many little nagging injuries last yeah. year, his whole career, even in high school. I think it made sense for him to sit out. You wonder if Charlie Jones, hey, I've, I've got all these things I'm playing through here. Um. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I know we are. I, and but it's I, it's fun. Just, yeah, it is the Ahead of the Cells podcast today, Zoom or Saturday simulcast on a, on a couple of different items. We hope we didn't upset anybody here by ruining your weekend by bringing up those topics, but uh, uh, we will see what happens. All right, and we're gonna put we're gonna put a, put this to a close, and and uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know how we're gonna work it because Brian will be out in Portland. Tom and I will be in in Bloomington in one form or another, but uh, we'll we'll figure out something to talk a uh, talk post a uh, bucket game, et cetera, and uh, that will be uh, our Saturday Sunday. What was the last bucket game I went to? Well, you probably well, yeah. you really read the overtime triple overtime or double overtime game in two thousand nineteen. No, I was in Destin for that one. Yeah, I don't know. Two thousand eighteen was in Bloomington. It's when they. Rondell- I haven't been to Bloomington for football and. Years. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. You don't tell me. I man. wasn't. Yeah, I know that. Um, uh, I've been down there a couple times, but I think I think my last one was sixteen, just because we do that uh, our post game show down there because 
the radio crew gets all screwed up because they're out covering basketball. So somebody's going to show up this week and we'll be there to, to cover it. So, all right. A reminder to you then there's been, there's been another asked question about us. Uh, you can still become a member of goldenblack.com for just $1 U.S. dollar. And, uh, and we would love to have you do that. Uh, thousands have done it so far. We appreciate that. That offer is not going to go on forever. So we would like you to uh, consider joining us. And uh, um, and once the once that offer is over, it's over. But uh, we we hope that you'll consider doing that. We also want to thank the Union Club Hotel. We also want to wish you all happy Thanksgiving. And uh, there'll be a lot of things on the site this week with respect to basketball. Brian will be spending his Thanksgiving night in Portland watching Purdue play in West Virginia play. The game's around 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, that will be an interesting one. Maybe Purdue will play. If they can get through West Virginia, they'll get a chance at at, at Gonzaga in, the, in game two. We'll see. And uh, so, and then obviously Tom and we'll have a lot of football as we lead into the old Oak and Bucket uh, game next Saturday. Game time to be announced. We may, by the time you listen to this, you may already know it. I don't know. But uh, last week they were late in announcing it, it seemed to me, but it probably will know by mid-morning Sunday, if not before then. So have a great uh, week, everybody. Thank the Union Club Hotel, and we'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast. Mm -hmm.